exist to knowingly burrow into the fantastical world of Keyforge, discussing lore, rules, strategies, decks, organized play, and of course, the Nordic Keyforge League. Join us on the rooftop laboratory, grab your helper bot, and do your best to avoid that sloppy lab work. This is the Nordic Keyforge Podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. And welcome to the Nordic Keyforge Podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Jason, also known as The Captain. And we're joined here by uh, my co-host Linus, Mr. K-Pop, and Jonas, Hydrophilic Attack. Uh, how, yeah, how are you going, guys? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for asking. Excellent, excellent. And we also have a guest with us tonight. We have uh, Christian, also known as Seagull. Yeah, how's it going? Hey. Great, welcome to the podcast, uh, to the second episode of this uh, amazing podcast. <laughs> Self-proclaimed amazing, I think, at this point, although we've had some good responses in the week. But first of all, uh, Linus and Jonas, how has your Keyforge week been? Um, what have you been up to in, since we last recorded? Um, Jonas. Okay, so uh, the main thing I've been doing was uh, I played my league game in the Nordic League against my co-host, Mr. K-Pop, and, uh, who is also here on this call. And the exciting thing was we recorded it and streamed it. And it was actually quite interesting to go back and watch your own game afterwards uh, because I noticed so many mistakes. And when I watch other people play, I say, oh, that's an obvious mistake. How could they do that? And now that I look at my own game, I realize, well, I'm also making bad mistakes. And it was actually a really good learning experience to look at that. So I made some mistakes in the game I, I lost. But I think even more important was the mistakes I made in the games I won. Because in both of them, I kind of had the game almost decided and I invited Linus back into the game and he could well have won those games because of these mistakes. And specifically what I did was I didn't push enough for the win when I was ahead. That was the biggest mistake in game two and three. Uh, and yeah, that was a really learning, a good learning experience. So I recommend people to look back at games they have played and try to analyze what they did. A very, very good experience. And thank you Jason, for helping us stream the game and commentating. That's not a problem. That was probably the most stressful two and a half hours um, that was quite in, like an impromptu two and a half hours that I thought was going to be an hour uh, <laughs> <laughs> streaming. But it ended up being really interesting. And uh, I felt like I was in, uh, commentating on Formula One. Uh, with the speed that you guys were going at, but at the same uh, time, probably just... that's the reason. Probably that's the reason we made so many mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder, like, when we get back to playing in real life, are we going to make those same mistakes? Are we going to play that quickly? Um, it is one of those things because everything is automated, so everything just happens. So commentating on real life play is going to be so much easier. So I, I, I would say I actually make more mistakes in real life, believe it or not. Uh, and I mess up with cards and uh, draw too many, and uh, which is really bad if, if it's a high-level event because then your opponent gets to see your hand and choose which one to discard and so on. So yeah, for me, actually, I believe it or not, with how many mistakes I made, I make even more mistakes in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a conversation for another podcast for how things are going to work in real life because there's so much that we have to think about, you know, turning your keys, counting the cards, knowing what you have in your discard pile and what you have in your pile as well. You know, how, how many times do you are you actually going to count those cards when you're actually playing? It's going to be really interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to be kind of. I'm, I'm afraid of play, playing in real life because I'm, I'm so used to the, the automatic stuff happening in, mm. in uh, online. So, uh, yeah, it will, we'll see. And obviously, I think the biggest thing that I'm afraid of is the, the deck list that you can always 
uh, look at just quickly a little bit remind yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> of the opponent's cards uh, so yeah mm. that that's that's an interesting point yeah i'm gonna miss not having dexter keyforge open on the second screen <laughs> yeah, exactly that too I, I use that sometimes for banning decisions but not so much when playing at least so that that one i'm avoiding yeah uh what about you linus uh how was your key, key for week what did you what have you been up to yeah i mean this obviously i'm i'm uh, i'm a little bit salty and bitter uh, as a true fin should be after losing a game uh, to to the matches to <laughs> hydrophilic attack Jonas. Uh, <laughs> however i i congratulate you for the victory you indeed uh, did mi- uh, less mistakes than i did um however i felt that those games that i lost i um i already felt the pressure that those decks don't want to be behind that much um so i was surprised that i actually in both games had the chance to win or had the feeling at least so that was kind of fun, but then again, I I made some really bad decisions uh, in those games. Uh, I haven't been able to replay and check it, but anyways, I won't take any anything away from you, Hydro. You know, you're a good player, and we have always had really tight games. This is not the first time; it's back and forth. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed that uh, the evening mm-hmm. that we played it. Um, uh, and then, obviously, the second thing that I still want to mention, what happened this week, we are playing the Fellows of Archons. The Fellowship of Archons are playing in Kote 9, or Kote 9, and, and we are doing quite well there. Uh, we managed to get a 3-0 victory this week, which was kind of cool. Uh, so we won both or all of the our different formats archon um, adaptive and reversal and i i have really fallen in love with uh, best of one adaptive it's so much fun um and for obviously <laughs> probably i'm saying now because i'm only winning all my adaptive games uh, <laughs> but um i i still think that that's that's some that's a format that i really like and one of the reasons why is because you can you can actually play any deck like literally any deck uh, there's no like there's no good or bad deck it's simply kind of how you acknowledge the the strengths and weaknesses between decks and the matchup and and then you can decide how many chains it's worth and so on so it's super interesting and super fun and that's something i want to become better uh, in keyforge so i'm i'm looking forward to play more best of one adaptives that was a lot of fun it's really good that both of you were saying that yeah you know i made so many mistakes and i could have seen that because i was watching those games thinking these guys really know what they're doing and they must have had a reason for why they did that uh, and then you've just been like, no, no, that was a complete mistake. So the, it's really good to see you guys uh, and, and your humility <laughs> there in those games. Um, and really good work on the Fellowship of Archons there, Linus, in um, with your games. Uh, Thanks, mate. Uh, the three, three, for, three for zero, which is uh, really good. My Keyforge week, uh, I played him in real life Keyforge this week. I taught a couple of people at work um, and we've got a kind of really, um, a really good closed environment. So we were very safe. We had hand splits and everything, uh, you know, sanitizer and everything there. And we we're very careful how we played, but I was able to teach with a couple of new decks um, how Keyforge works to a couple of people who play Magic the Gathering, which was really cool. And I left them with the decks um, afterwards so they can also um, play uh, in the office. Uh, nice that's super cool to find so cool opened up a couple of coda decks and went through just some of the basic rules and everything we had 15 minutes at the end of lunch so you you played sealed uh sealed coda yeah i had a couple of extra decks that's a really good way to get into the game that's so so good yeah, really, really good way. And I, um, I, I scanned them, realized that actually I've got some similar decks myself. And so I, was, I thought actually they can keep these decks themselves. So I kind of donated as well with some tokens so that hopefully they can get into the game, which is really great. But the thing that I want to talk about is that I played four competitive games in total, my uh, Coke 9 game and 
uh, my league games, and I won three of my four league games uh, this weekend, which was so good, including my Coat game, including my Coat 9 game, which I was so pleased with the 3-1 win um, in reversal against my deck. And I was able to completely shut the component, the opponent out from cards that I knew were in his hand. And it's so, so much fun playing reversal and knowing that actually he hasn't, he must have three eddies, the three eddies in his hand. I need to stop him playing them if I'm going to take this win. And he had the cards in his deck for me to allow me nice. to do that. And so I was, oh, it felt so good. Um, and it's so good having with your team watching as well, because your team can also point that out uh as, as well it's nice to have another reversal fan sometimes i feel like there are not so many of us <laughs> yeah I, I i enjoy reversal and reversal with higher decks but with with slightly better decks um i haven't played so much reversal with with not so good decks but i think reversal with the lower sas decks um it's it's a slower game uh, and I do struggle with that. But I think when you're playing reversal with good, quick decks, it is so much fun. This week, we're going to be talking about Dark Tidings in a competitive view. And Dark Tidings hasn't been out for a huge amount of time. And in the Nordic Keyforge League, the, the league goes over seven weeks. And Dark Tidings was released, I think, maybe two or three weeks before Season 12 started. And in the five divisions that we have, four people, one in each division, chose only Dark Tidings. One of those people um, won the Elite Syrian, the the Elite League, the the top league, last season. And that is uh, Christian, who is with us today. So, Christian, uh, welcome. Um, Can I just, let's just get to know you a little bit, Christian. You've been involved in the league since day one. Uh, you were in the first season. How did you get into Keyforge, though? Um, how were you introduced to the game? Um, yeah, so I, um, I've been playing uh, Android Netrunner, um, another fancy flight game, uh, for a whole lot of years. Um, but that has been discontinued officially by, um, by FFG. Um, around the time that... Um, Keyforge was announced, um, so I, I was really um, intrigued by Keyforge. Um, it felt like a um, fresh take on the um, collectible card game scene uh, with the with the unique deck format, um, and I was also really um, happy to. Uh, be spending spending less time um, thinking about the meta, um, building decks, um, doing all this kind of um, research or so. Um, besides actually just playing the game. Um, now that I've uh, have a, have a bit less time uh, spare time, um, it's a, it's a perfect um, format for me. I think. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I guess that's how I I got introduced to uh, to Keyforge, and I mm. um, I went to a um, pre-release event, um, thinking that yeah, this could be fun. Um, and I actually really liked the game from the start. Um, it offers a lot of uh, good uh, choices, difficult choices during the game. Um, compared to um, a lot of uh, other games like for instance magic I think if you if you build a good deck it sort of plays itself um, but here you yeah. in every yeah. round you have big decisions to make you know from the start of which house you're choosing to how you're playing it out uh, which order reaping or fighting and yeah, all, all those kinds of decisions every round uh, I think is really interesting. Yeah, it really is in a in a league of its own in, in a way. A couple the two players that I was talking about, the magic players that I, I play, they were shocked when I said, Well that there's no there's no mana cost, there's no resource cost with Keyforge. Um and it was like, Oh wow, that's such a different game and it really attracts people there as well. You were quite quick to some success there with 
in Keyforge as well. Can you tell us about your competitive uh, feats? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so I, um, I went to uh, Copenhagen, which is very close to where I live, um, for the Danish uh, Grand Championship, um, which was a um, sealed um, best of three adaptive event. Um, which was very fun, wow. um, yeah. And I managed to win that one, so I'm, Fantastic. I'm very happy with that. Um, so we fun event. So. We are amongst a grand championship winner here on this podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, what? When, when was that? Which set were you playing with? Sealed. It was quite early uh, with um, Age of Ascension, I think. Wow, Age of Ascension sealed must have been so much fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got a... Uh, at the time, I thought it was quite decent, at least compared to mm. the field. Uh, there was definitely stronger decks than mine, but sort of in the middle, I think. But, you know, going back to Archon formats, it's, yeah, it's not very good. But yeah. it had some fun um, gameplay options. Uh, well, do you first. remember your winning move? Oh yeah, of course. Um, that one I remember. I almost never remember games otherwise, but that one I, I do. Uh, I had a hand with, I think it was two untamed creatures. Um, what's it called? Song of Spring? or? Yeah, it's the Soldiers to Flowers. Oh, that soldiers to Flowers, yeah, correct. And uh, Key Charge. We could probably. Uh, I'm gonna read what the soldiers to flowers will uh, stands for, for for the listeners. So soldiers to flowers, play purge each untamed creature from each player's discard pile. For each card purged this way, its owner gains one amber. So it's a nice amber burst. Wow. Yeah. So exactly. So my turn was go untamed, discard the two creatures, uh, straight to the bin. And then play Solus Flowers for exactly, for uh, going up to exactly seven amber for the key charge. Obviously, so the nice. key charge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and my my opponent would have won um, the next round. So, oh, very nice. Putting out a key charge when you know your opponent's going to win next round. That's a that's a dream move. Yeah, that was really is really incredible. Is. Yeah. So let's fast forward to three sets later and we have dark tidings has been released and you've just won season 11 of the keyforge um swedish league it was then the nordic keyforge league is the rebranding happened after this um dark tidings comes out what were you thinking (laughs) <laughs> well, um, so what, what was the thought process there of going okay let's let's go all dark tidings did you have did you have some good decks that you started with uh no not at all um actually when i when i saw that uh dark tidings would be released uh, before the the um what's it called the season the, 12 the deadline yeah the deadline for the um, deck um submission uh i thought that yeah okay this could be fun so i uh, i bought two displays and um yeah just found some decks i i thought was interesting and you know uh, as a as a fun way um i will this this will be my uh, last season for at least a little while um i do have some uh things to take care of uh, in in real life uh i'm moving together with my girlfriend and we'll do quite a lot of renovation and things like that so yeah um my time will be very limited so i think mm-hmm. that at least for one or two seasons i'll take a break and mm-hmm. um yeah also from winning the last season i felt like okay yeah the, that was fun um i felt like i accomplished accomplished something nice um <laughs> So, uh, the, the league is so competitive. So, um, it's yeah, it, it was really. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy. Uh, it does, yeah. To, yeah. to really, really pay attention. Well, hopefully, you won't be uh, gone for too long. Obviously, uh, it does take a lot of energy when Mr. K pop is behind you, breathing, 
I'm behind you. I'll catch you. Yeah. <laughs> you always are, so, right? So uh, I have to say, choosing an old Dark Tidings uh, lineup like that to go, la- go out like that, uh, that is a complete badass move, I have to say. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a scientific term. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, my props to you. I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, obviously, uh, Christian is called Mr. Keyforge in our community. Uh, so there's yes. a reason behind that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, is, it is kind of a little bit like walking through the door in films, flipping the bird with both fingers. Yeah. <laughs> or walking away from the explosion or something like that. Not, not looking back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but w- w- when you were choosing your deck, so you had 24 decks that you were choosing from what were yeah. you looking for in those decks with the little that you knew about dark tidings yeah well um i obviously looked for something that looked quite good at least um i know that if i would take decks that were too bad i wouldn't stand any chance and would just got run completely over in elysium um so that was one criteria to have at least something, uh, a bit of a chance. But I also looked for something um, interesting and unique and uh, a new experience as well. So uh, I picked one Evil Twin deck, which was fun. Um, I got some unfathomable houses as well to try them out. Then a couple of other nice uh, unique takes on decks i thought your decks looked really cool when i just when i played you before the first match yeah. i was like these decks they look quite interesting all of them so yeah yeah, yeah. they do don't they um but unfortunately they're they're not very strong uh, so i've been struggling but it's been fun yeah but what what did you use as a guide though when you were when you when you were picking those decks i mean were you looking for some like for example the um groundbreaking discovery combo or a, a, a whirlpool or were there any of those cards you thought actually this 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 is really really fun to play with were there, were there any cards like that, that that you can remember well uh to be honest i i didn't look very much on you know spoilers and things like that uh, beforehand mm. so i went in pretty much blind uh, opening up the, this place so <laughs> I, I just took you know two three minutes per deck and, and oh, wow. just look through the cards and see if there was something new and interesting for me um, and this is the reason why it's, he is called Mr. Keyfords. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that's the, 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 the sealed grand champion plays Dark Tidings. It is sealed. in his fingers, the knowledge. He just opens and just, oh, I feel it. This is special. <laughs> so what, what was your experience then, Christian, when, when actually playing the decks and things not going your way? What, what were you experiencing then? Yeah, like I said, I've been struggling um, in in this year, in this season. Um, but I think a lot of the games have been fairly close. Um, but I think the the the, um, the largest issue that I face is that they're quite slow. Um, at least most of them are. Um, one or two decks that I have in, in the lineup um, can burst very well, but they they are quite slow. Uh, they depend a lot of uh, on having creatures out on the board uh, and not uh, getting disrupted on that either. So they're quite mm. vulnerable to um, you know board wipes and things like that. Um, and they're also lacking quite a bit in in control, uh, amber control and board control. Okay. So, if I fall behind, it's yeah, it's a quite steep uphill battle for me. Mm. But how did like for example, you had a couple with Unfathomable. How did their like the exhausting from Unfathomable come up against um, other like stun and and effects like that? Did did you did you have anything where you you could really use that 
um, exhaust effect much or did it fall flat on his face? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, that depends on the kind of deck you're up against. Mm. Um, but sure, in a few matches, um, it has been very valuable um, to delay your opponent's plans for a turn. Mm. Um, yeah. if, if you pick the right moment and the right house to um, to exhaust, you can get a lot of power from that and, and tempo momentum. Did you struggle against any particular set when you from your opponents? Yeah, I I haven't done the the research there research the sorry, <laughs> I haven't done the research there on my um my matchups, but no. uh, probably you know fast Kota or MM decks uh, are definitely a challenge. Um, yeah, but what about the banning though? Like when 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 we look from from the decks of your decks that were banned, mm -hmm. was there a pattern in the decks that they were banning, or was it fairly spread out? Well, uh, actually, uh, one deck that has been quite consistently banned is one I have, which can look scary on paper, I guess, um, because it's got four e dice. <laughs> So Four e dice, indeed. Yeah. How much um, do you want for that deck? <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk offline. Okay, great. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it does struggle. Um, I mean, the e dice—they're a really nice touch, um, but it's hard for me to get them to stay on the board. Mm. Uh, so, and you know, for for um, archiving to be very valuable. You need to have some good things to archive as well. Yes. Uh, so that's not always the case in that deck, I'd say. So I will say, I guess I fell for the ban bait. I, I banned that one. <laughs> but maybe that was uh, the wrong <laughs> decision then. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't played so many games with it, but um, my success is fairly limited with that, actually. Yeah. I mean that that's, that is actually a question that actually we can we can bring round to actually both you Linus and Yulnus like you have both banned Christian's decks. What what were what were you thinking when you were seeing the deck list? What 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 were you going for to ban? Well, I mean, if we uh, the way how I decide and think about it is usually just mostly I. I I look through cards that uh, I know that my decks don't like, mm. and then I simply ban those decks. So I sometimes yeah. I will leave just a really good deck open because I I believe in my skills and I believe that my car my decks can handle um, that deck. Um, so I was just simply looking at these decks, uh, especially when they were dark dark tidings. So I was simply just looking through certain cards that I know that I, I don't like to have mm. meet and that's the way I banned. Have you got any examples of cards that you Well, that you prob saw that you had? <laughs> I, I probably banned the Eddie. <laughs> but <laughs> I know there was this one really bursty. I think there was like several Chen Chen what is it called the new hunting witch? Uh, Colonia. Uh, yeah, um, yeah yeah Colonia exactly. I, I yeah. if I remember if I recall correctly he, you had like one deck that had several of those. I was like I don't want to meet that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the same deck yeah, with the e dice. Yeah, exactly. So that okay. that There's deck was like there. Yeah. instantly. I uh, I don't want to meet that. <laughs> I don't. Just... I don't care. There's those two cards. Now nah, let's move on. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the price of this deck is going up as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, so for myself, I what I look at my decks are generally quite weak against board control that's just the decks i have so i noticed one of his decks had a lot of board control so that's one i banned uh, and the other thing is i felt like my matchups were okay against most other decks so i felt like this edi deck could high roll uh, and i didn't want to lose against a high roll but both the edis and also i was scared i was scared of the edis in combination with the double colonia uh, so that's why i banned that one first and then and then when he didn't protect mm. the one deck that had the best board control, I banned that one second. Yeah. That is actually interesting that you mentioned high roll because that's something usually that I I don't want to meet decks that can if they high roll they will just steam 
what is it? Steamroll. What is it called? Yes, yeah, steamroll over me. So I rather want to, <laughs> I rather want to ban a high roll deck uh, and meet a deck that is good, but I know where, like, where its range is. So I, I feel like I have some sort of control. Okay, I want to talk about the tide now like the the tide is obviously it's a dark tidings only uh mechanism uh that obviously we know that um anyone can raise the tide by paying three paying three chains um or taking three chains how useful was the tide for your games against the non-dark tidings decks um, yeah, it definitely has its um, upside, I think. Um, I also kind of went for decks that if they are dependent on the tide, they should also have cards that raises the tide because I really mm. want to avoid those chains. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think um, I have quite a lot of decks that are are good at that, so for example, I have one deck that has um, four Strange Ordination, the um, yeah, Gain 3 Ember card, which you can oh, only yes. play at, at the high tide. Yes, that, yeah, the Sanctum. Uh, yeah, so it's in Sanctum. Yeah. So it comes with the two Martial Ewers as well, the ones you, creatures where you play or reap and you raise the tide. So Yes. If play you have fights. one on, on hand, then yeah. Yeah, play a fight, so, sorry. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that raises the um, the probability of you being able to get your burst cards out without having to take the chains for it. So yeah, did did you find your opponents taking chains in order to stop what you were trying to do, though? Um, I did sometimes. Uh, definitely the case, um, and mm. sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get my um, um, tide raising cards either, so kind of went back and forth mm. and <laughs> building chains, yeah. uh, which is a bit funny. Um, yeah, that must be quite tough tra- taking chains against the Dakota Rush decks. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's that fangtooth cavern I can hide in? <laughs> um, what about the successes? that you the, the games that you have won um i don't know if you've won did you if you won any games last week i think when i last checked last week when we were speaking it was you'd won four games this season um and you actually won a match yeah um the, that you said must be was it 2-1 um 2-1 yeah the latest uh, round actually the games that you won were you in a place where you were you felt like you were in control like everything was going right tell us more about those <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> 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 they were all super close uh, three twos so yeah nail biters all of them i think um, mm. yeah but <laughs> um so we were talking about band strategies and what i've been focusing is um you know the big amber control cards like too much to protect or uh, mm. doorstep, those kinds of things. Because, like I said, I a few of my decks can burst very well and get ahead uh, by that, but not much else. <laughs> so, if I'm against uh, too much to protect, then I'm basically done. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I did have success with those decks playing against. Um, other decks that are lacking somewhat in number control and especially in the big cards. Um, do you think you've improved as a player from playing Dark Tidings, from playing these new mechanisms? Um, do you think that's improved you as a player or, or, or changed the way you've, you think about playing? Um, yeah, that's a difficult one, but uh, sure, I think so. Um, always bringing in new mechanics and cards makes you um you know you have to reevaluate them um and learn to play with them as well um so for the like the tide mechanic is completely new and it's a really good really difficult choice um if you want to take the chains or not so 
sure. I mean, it, it's uh, in a way, it's more like um, like it, it's a it's a new choice or kind of a rare choice in Keyforge where you have to take um, take a, um, a handicap for yourself uh, to gain. Um, uh, another effect like sure we have the um, the uh, chains cards like you know gateway to this or something but um, those are kind of obvious like if I board wipe now it's this is what I get and here comes the chains but for the tide um, it's a more of a long-term effect right yeah so that's a bit different uh, and new. So I think um, it can certainly um, make you think more long-term in your strategy. Um, I, had, I had a question there. Do you think it will make you a, an even better adaptive player, this experience? Yeah, I think that that's um, probably something um, that can improve your, your adaptive play since you're more used to chains and uh, and uh, and like um, yeah so you're more used to change and maybe you're uh, less scared of them as well um, or understanding the chain mechanism a little bit more and the role that it can play like the more the more you play with them the more you get a feel of how much mm. you uh, lose with every chain like how much it sets you back in the tempo it doesn't feel that the chains have been that big a part of of Keyforge up until now. I remember trying to teach people Keyforge with uh, Age of Ascension and Worlds Collide. And I remember a couple of times saying, oh, this is just a chain, chain tracker. You won't really need this. <laughs> because unless you had Gateway to Dis or a couple of the other cars that had chains in, then you rarely use the chain tracker. Um Whereas now it's such a vital part, <laughs> especially if the in, in uh, real life I, play. I remember um, one of my two first decks had a had a gateway, and I didn't understand because the chains was considered such a small part of the rules that it wasn't even included mm. in the quick start rules. So I had oh, to. Wow. I couldn't understand this card in my deck, so I had to look up the full rules for that. So yeah, it's definitely okay. increased in prominence. So a question for for everyone actually like and i think christian you'll probably be able to answer this a lot clearer than 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 the rest of us how viable do you think dark tidings is for competitive play at the moment um yeah i think it's tough um sure my my experience is quite limited to my 24 decks um and none mm. of those are, you know, I wouldn't consider them competitive vi viable. Um, mm. And from what I've seen as well, uh, it's it's a tough one. It's yeah, uh, the general um, like uh, strengths and weaknesses of the set uh, kind of uh, goes against a lot of the. Uh, Kota and uh, mm. uh, MM fast decks, you will struggle with those, I think. Yeah. So, what what type what types of decks? If if there were some good competitive decks, what would you be looking for in a good competitive deck? Yeah, that would, Yeah, that would be. I mean, for me, this might be a cliche already, but uh, this set reminds me most of AOA. Uh, mm. really combo heavy decks so we're, you're trying to find those crucial combo pieces and so that they fit together really great and when you find that then yeah. that's a competitive deck there's many many different really crazy combos in in, uh, in dark tidings but the problem is that you need to buy a lot of decks to really find those yeah uh, so competitive it's going to be i think it's going to be similar as aoa so it's going to take a time uh, and then, and if uh, like if we think about AOA now, if you see an AOA 
uh, in any kind of tournament or <laughs> on TCO when you're playing competitively, <laughs> you will always be guaranteed that that deck is good. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even need <laughs> to be Genka deck. There's a lot of really cool decks that people have filtered through and found, found that, hey, this is a good deck. So yeah. it's going to be a similar thing with Dark Tidings. It's going to mm. take a bit of time, and then after a while, uh, it's after the filtering, there will be only good Dark Tiding decks uh, around. <laughs> yeah. Linus, very quickly, what do you mean by Genka deck, just for those who might be new to the game? Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, Genka is, is a two-card combo. Uh, Martian Generosity is the one card that you need, and then you need to have the other card, which is called the Key Abduction. Uh, the Martian Generosity simply says that when you play, all of the amber that you have in your pool will... Uh, you will just empty them and for each amber that you had in your pool you will draw two cards so usually the idea yeah. is that you will draw your whole deck into your hand or a lot of cards into your hand and then you have the key abduction card which is that you will uh, simply um, forge a key um, according to how many cards you have in like you, you will forge yeah. one key and the cost is determined how many cards you have in your hand it starts by okay, plus yeah. nine and then it goes down depending how many cards you have. So you can, they can, Genka decks can easily um, forge a key for zero cost if, if it goes really great. So that's an example of uh, a really good combo. That's a really good explanation. Thank you so much. Genka is one of those terms that is just gets thrown around and no one explains what it is um, if you haven't played Age of Ascension. Um, so, but thanks for just clarifying that um, for us. Um, Jonas, what do you think about Dark Tidings? So I will say, I think I will be a little bit more optimistic. Um, so as Linus mentioned, I think there will be crazy good, uh, crazy good combo, de- combo decks. Uh, there are... Uh, Logos, which is often mediocre in Dark Tidings, they can have extremely crazy lineups if you get the right cards that can allow you to forge two keys for Mm. free with cards that forge keys depending on how many cards you have played uh, that turn. Yeah. Uh, Honors keys. Yes. And you have. Yeah. So so there is a, I think there is a very small chance of getting really good combo decks. Uh, Also, Saurians, they have cards that capture a lot and then they have cards that say all the amber on your creatures go to your pool and all the amber on your opponent's creatures go to their pool. Uh, I think there can be some crazy combos there. Also uh, uh, also yeah. in Unfathomable, unfath- Unfathomable I think there are good combos. So one thing is combo decks and the other thing is uh, I I think I want to elaborate on this more another time, but I've been running the numbers a bit on these sets. And I think Dark Tiding okay. is actually, in my opinion, about the same strength as Kota, uh, which is um, interesting. Which is to say, not super strong, because I am of the opinion that no. Worlds Collide and especially Mass Mutations are in general, a lot stronger than Kota. And you can see it in the league. Mass Mutation has completely taken over the, uh, the lineups. Yeah. Um, and just by analyzing how many decent cards there are, I think it's definitely better than AOA. And it's about the same level as Kota. Uh, a few more decent cards, actually. But... Uh, the but not maybe as many super good cards. So there are high, there are some really strong cards in Kota that you don't have in DT. Uh, and the other thing, another deck archetype that I think has a good chance of doing well in Dark Tidings is actually uh, racing decks. I think you can get in Dark Tidings, you will be able to find even better racing decks than Kota. And I've also run some numbers. Uh, that indicates that uh, in terms of cards that give you amber on play, there are or cards that are almost guaranteed to give you amber in play. Uh, and they are 
yeah so i think uh, combo decks and uh, and uh, amber rush decks have a very high potential but like kota i would say i have opened i think roughly two displays of kota and i don't have a single competitive deck from that uh, so it, that matches also with the experience of of christian that if you open two two uh, two uh, displays of dark tidings you may not get a single competitive deck but you can get some really good stuff <laughs> if you're lucky so i think it's like you need yeah. to be very lucky uh, and a lot of people will not get anything that's competitive but there will be some really strong decks no. in terms of uh, uh, in terms of um, rush uh, and in terms of combo that's that's what i think yeah no, I, I think f- from what I've listened to, what I've read, and a little bit of what I've experienced is that it's that there are the, the, the competitive DT decks, Dark Tidings decks are few and far between, but there's potential for some really good, really good decks. Um, I don't think we can rely on SAS too much yet because they're still working that out to, to, to see where the level is because I've got a I've got a really quick deck that is actually down in 58 and I, I've I've won a lot with it and so I think there's a lot to, to take out there that said I love playing Dark Tidings it's such an enjoyable experience playing Dark Tidings versus Dark Tidings um, and I've heard a lot of new players getting into the game uh, enjoying playing Dark Tidings and so I think it can it can be really good for the for the non archon type for the non archon games. Yeah. Um, because archon is just strength, you know, the, the best deck you you can get. But I think it's a really good for the adaptive format. Um, so adaptive dark tidings could be a lot of fun. Adaptive best of one dark tidings could be a very fun format. Um, I think I'm hoping just uh, sealed yeah, play, yeah. sealed the local play. I just hope that we get to do some of it before we get the next set. That we, I, I cannot wait to try and and do that. The first yeah. moment we get a chance, I get a chance to to put something on dark tidings sealed. I'm going to jump at the opportunity. Um, yeah, I have my beautiful keychain. Uh, no, the ch- chain. What is it called? The chain dials, waiting mm. for usage. <laughs> that uh, have been taking dust. The game genics. Yeah, ones. exactly. Those Ooh, beautiful they're, ones. They're, they're so now ones, when yeah. you're going to play DT, there's going to yeah. be a lot of chains. And obviously DT has really made me appreciate chain the chain system and chains in itself. Uh, mm. I for I used to think they were only a negative thing, but now in my opinion they have become a resource, which is a lot of fun. Uh, even though you would play outside the set. It's still something that I, I believe that has uh, increased the meaningfulness of chains. So I think that's that's a positive thing for me, at least from DT. And and uh, regarding chains as well, their value goes very much up and down depending on the game state, right? So in yes. the beginning, you kind of want to avoid them, but you know if it's uh, in the last couple of rounds, they don't matter at all. So. And no. that's also something interesting to to keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you've got Agreed. those Logos draw decks where you're just drawing so many cards where you've got so many cards in your hand anyway so you, the chains don't matter how many you're picking up because you're not picking up the cards at the end of your turn anyway. Um, you've got your Reap effects that, are, that Reap draw a card and, and, and those type of effects. I've got a deck that does that and chains don't matter at all um, in that. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Christian, for joining us in this discussion. Um, I think uh, you've given us a, a real good view of how Dark Titans has been in the competitive. Uh, but I think, you know, it's both too early to, to, to really give a good valuation of this. Um, and... Yeah, I just think it's. I, I think we'll see more from Dark Tidings in the future. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's still early in the set, so Dark Tidings uh, are here to stay. We'll see more decks. Definitely. Yeah, 
yeah, we'll see a lot more decks coming. And I think once we get into sealed and, you know, as we buy a few more decks in the sealed variant, we'll, we'll, we'll discover some more decks there okay so thank you so much for joining us uh for the uh and and for giving us your time this evening yeah thank you very much you're very welcome appreciate you very welcome <laughs> indeed um we're going to move on to a a new segment obviously <laughs> for the next few weeks every extra segment is going to be a new segment um and this one we're going to introduce linus is going to be called mr k-pop's rigged lottery linus do you want to explain about how this is going to work yeah, obviously. So welcome to Mr. K-Pop's Rigged Lottery. This is a segment filled with random topics that just randomly gets chosen from a rigged lottery that I have no control of. Wink, wink. It can be all from funny quotes to a theoretical approach towards the game itself. So today I have simply randomly um, drawn the topic and it's it's a part of a Keyforge 101 uh, in my opinion, at least, and it's called the NARP system. And uh, before I'm going to yes. talk about the NARP system, I want to now straight away um, give a shout out to Zach Armstrong from Call of Discovery. Um, I, I, was in, I was chatting with him and he was cool with this, that I'm going to take up the NARP system because he's, one of, he's the one who has created this system. And uh, there's going to be yeah. a link to the NARP system, so you can go check it up uh, after you listen to our awesome podcast. But now I want to talk about the NARP system a little bit. I will uh, simplify it a bit more. There will be a more elaborate way of discussing about it in, in a different other podcasts and obviously on their own site. Uh, the NARP system itself, it's, it's simply a deck learning system, guys. It's awesome. It is something I've used and I really appreciate that uh, Jack created this system. And now there's this beautiful document that I can look up and, uh, and remind myself what, what is this about. So the NARP, it stands for Notes, Antagonists, Recall and Play. Um, and obviously the notes is simply that you you simply write down, you take up the data, you analyze it, you 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 write up wins or losses or your general thoughts about the game or or anything that you just want to write down that will remind you uh, about hey how well this deck, this certain deck that you're playing, can handle certain stuff. So it's it's a it's a really good way to kind of become a good better player because through analyzing through looking through your mistakes or through games that you play you learn right so writing down those will help you to remember and reflect reflect over your deck and then the second part of this narp system is called it's called antagonists and this is really a key part of keyforge because keyforge is all about matchups so it's so important for you to be able to analyze and see which card, which card, or which cards are cards that you don't like to, or, or you, or, or your deck is weak against them, or you will have a hard time with those decks. So, learning to check through uh, fast the, the opponent's card list will simply uh, help you to see those. Um, cards that are your your deck is weak against and these are so-called the antagonists so if you remind if you memorize those you will have an easier time to handle hard matchups and understand what to do correctly and then the recall is simply memorizing your own card list so this is something that I would uh, i would simply um, encourage anybody to do um to actually everybody to do so this means that you take your favorite deck you look at the deck list and then you simply memorize all those cards that are in, uh, listed in this list in your inner deck and so that you can just simply intuitively remember each card in your deck so so when you're in the in the heat of the game in the moment you will simply remember oh yeah that that card is still in my deck and i, I can do this and that so this is something that i've been doing this point is going to be so important getting back to in real life play yeah, obviously, this is going to be oh, yeah. really important. So that's the reason I really wanted to point out Recall. Memorizing your own deck, that will help anybody to improve mm. their own game. So I, I, I'm i I'm all into this. Um, and then, obviously, last one uh, in the NARP is the play. 
and this is kind of self-evident truth that you figure out the deck by through playing the game and through playing the deck right so the more you play the more you will know about your deck uh, and the initial goal could be from 50 to 75 uh, me myself um, I, I went I, I played 150 games with one of my decks uh, dark tiding decks and I'm in love with that deck that's wow. super hilarious that deck uh, I love it it's it's perfect deck for adaptive um, and it, that deck can actually also handle a quite good Archon decks. But anyways, through playing 150 times, I have learned to really know its weaknesses and, and strengths. So I th I'm I'm quite confident with that playing with that deck and playing against that deck. So thanks for Zach that he created this NARP system. I recommend everybody to try it out. The NARP deck learning system. Um, but yeah, that's shortly today's Mr. K-Pop's rigged lottery. Thank you so much, Linus, for that. Uh, Zach Armstrong, I think I think he's known as the nicest guy in Keyforge. I oh, think that's yeah. uh, his, his, what people know him as. And it is so true. And he, he, he feels like he watches everything he can. He starts conversations with everyone that he can. He must have the, the Keyforge hashtag on Twitter as a notification or something. Because as soon as someone... <laughs> Um, uh, uses the the Keyforge hashtag. He's there and he's welcoming someone to Keyforge, etc., etc. And actually, it was Zach who I contacted Zach and just to say, you know, loving the podcast, and we got into a conversation. And he gave me a lot of encouragement uh, to start my own content creation. And so he was the one behind me starting the captain's deck and pushing for the podcast as well. And he gave me a lot of encouragement to do that and a lot of advice. So huge thank you to Zach for, for that as well. Um, I mean, he, he got obviously moustache as I do, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice and, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an even more important point than being a nicest, the nicest guy in Keyforge and giving me the, you, you know, planting the seeds for uh, for the captain's deck. But, you know, the must, the moustache is so important here. So, um, Zach, thank you. And uh, thank you for letting us use uh, your NARP system um, here, which uh, I started giving it a go a little bit, but, you know, it's, 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 it's time. I mean, uh, simply, uh, I'm saying to everybody, just narp it. Exactly, just just narp it. <laughs> really good. Okay, so now we're gonna have a short league update from uh, Jonas. Take it away. Jonas. Yes. So the season is coming to its end. So I am here to provide a final analysis of the league standings. Elite Syrian is wide open. After last week, Stoffen97 defeated prior leader Zysox. So that means that currently Stoffen97 and Zysox are tied at 12 wins each. But also Stoffen has a large leading keys. So if he manages 3-0 against Mr. K-Pop, which would not be easy, but if he does it, that guarantees him the win. And that would give him his first championship title. And also, he has the third lowest average SAS in the Elite Serian this season. So that would also be uh, some good indication that maybe SAS is not everything. Sysox, uh, meanwhile, uh, if he manages to win more games than Stoffe does, likely he will be the winner of the season. And that would give him his fourth league title. Um, your hosts, me, Hydro Attack, and Mr. K-Pop, we are currently third and fourth place with 11 and 10 wins each. And we have each of us a long shot chance at getting the title. And for each of us, it would be the second title uh, if we manage to go 3-0 in our matchups. And also if the people above us uh, do below expectations. Um, so, as we have discussed, Dark Tidings did not work out so well for the winner of the previous season, Siegel, and he is now in last place. And uh, uh, Robert Gungner and Pinne at 8, 8, and 7 uh, 
they would have fought this week to avoid relegation, but three players are leaving Elite Serien. Uh, they're taking a break from the league. So basically, everyone who has said that they will continue next season, they will remain. So so they get a bit of a last-minute uh, uh, save there. Uh, in Allsvenskan, Saramis has asserted dominance and uh, he is locked into the top spot with an impressive record of 18 wins against three losses. He already played his uh, game, his match this week. Yeah, he has risen through the divisions. He has advanced every season so far. And it will be interesting to see if his success continues in Elite Serien or if he will encounter the effervescent principle to stop him. Uh, in second place, who already decided, as he also played his game early, is Lord Alatar. And then behind him, uh, vying for the third place, is TV Shop and Kandika. Uh, TV Shop and Kandika have 10 wins each. And because three people are leaving Elite Serien, the top three of Allsvenskan will be promoted. So basically, uh, basically, these two people have uh, they are playing against each other, and uh, uh, and that match will decide who will go to Elite Serien. Uh, so. Uh, Jay Kandika, who he has been in Elite Serien before, but uh, uh, for Lord Alatar and TV Shop, it's the first time in Elite Serien. Uh, and then in Division 1, we already have a winner locked in at 15 wins with Algernon R, uh, and he will be seeking hon- honor or glory in Allsvenskan next season. He has a scary lineup this season with a SUS average of 83.5, which can do some serious damage in the higher divisions. Uh, and we also know that the second place, which gives an advancement spot, will go to Amrtaka. Uh, and finally, there will be also some, uh, some chances at a playoff game for against uh, the people in the bottom of Allsvenskan for number three and the number four, I think, in Division One. So uh, below the people in the top, people are fighting for those playoff spots. Uh, in Division Two, uh, we have a tight race. Both Codwag and Banon Permobil have 15 wins each, but Codwag has a 10 higher key difference. Both of them are clear for promotion, so they are just fighting uh, for the win honor of winning the title of Division Two champion. Uh, Martian Dog, who who is who we have talked to in this episode, he went all in on Dark Tidings, and as we discussed, it did not go so well. So he is clear for relegation, and then it will be decided. Uh, between Bonesmacker and Mantower, most likely one of them will get the second relegation spot. Uh, and uh, finally, in Division 3, Old Underscore User is clear for advancement with 13 wins. And below him, we have at 12, 10, and 10 wins, we have Mitte, we have The Captain, our host, and John the King. And they are in a grand me- melee for getting that second promotion spot. Uh, yeah, it's so exciting in Division Three. Such and Mitte and Jonte King, they will play against each other, so that will be very important. Uh, and uh, Jonte King, he basically needs to win th- all three games to advance in that match. Uh, and for the the captain, uh, for Jason, it's a bit more of a long shot. He needs three wins, and he also needs favorable results from the other three, uh, uh, specifically from the from the match between Mitch and John to King to advance. But it can absolutely happen. So, to summarize, it will be an exciting final round of the season in all divisions. 
Cool. Thank you so much, Jonas. So that's the league update. I've uh, just got a couple of uh, notices. The, obviously, the season 13 is starting in the middle of um, August. So we've got a few weeks. We're going to delay that uh, for the summer. That was voted on. And so we're going to have a summer cup. And that will start on the 28th of June. And there's going to be a double elimination like we we normally do in, in the League Cup. This time, though, you register three decks. And those three decks have to contain nine different houses. So you can't repeat a house uh, at all uh, in your three deck selection. And in every round, your opponent will pick the deck you will play. So it's a little bit of that more uh, Moirai feeling from from Cope's coming in here, but your your opponent will pick the deck, so you can't just pick one weak deck here. So I really really like this idea. Uh, so depending on the number of participants, there will be around weekly or every five days. Deck registration deadline is on the twenty sixth of June, and you register them by sending Sizox Jonas uh, a. Uh, private message with the links to the decks as well as a picture as proof of ownership so no rush we've got uh, 11 days if you want to do that i think he wants decks of keyforge links and he wants uh, proof of ownership using using the function on decks of keyforge oh does he okay so decks of keyforge links and you have to put a proof of ownership picture on the decks of decks of keyforge deck um, on that function there as well. So if you're not quite sure what to do there, um, ask someone who does. Um, there will be plenty of us in the Discord that know that. The next season's cut format is also up for decision, and so if you have a good suggestion um, for a format for that cup, um, put the suggestions in, and then we can put it out on a vote. So uh, you can tell us in the Discord channel that we have for feedback, or we've even got an email address, uh, podcast at nkfl.online. Um, you can send us to that as well if you're not in the Keyforge League, or if you just, if you're maybe you're listening from across the pond in America and you think this would be a good suggestion, uh, hit your suggestions up there from the email there. So, yeah, I believe that is our... Um, our second episode uh, for the night. So we just want to say thank you to, first of all, our guest, uh, Christian. Um, thank you so much again for, for coming on and giving up your evening. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Uh, and of course, thank you to my uh, fellow hosts, uh, Linus and Jonas. Yeah, it was my pleasure. A lot, a lot of, a lot of fun as last time. I will just uh, sign us off. So uh, today we have discussed dark tidings, and maybe there have been some failures with dark tidings. But I want to say, don't be discouraged. If you fail once, that's a mistake. But if you fail repeatedly and systematically. That's science, and that's progress. So, uh, so I'm hoping to see a lot of good dark tidings in the future. Mm-hmm.